Amen. So true, isn't it? Our Lord, He just gives and gives and gives. And hopefully in our story today, we will see that, that giving nature of His. Let's, uh, let's turn in our, in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 15. Uh, we're going to look at verse, verses 29 through 39. then she has failed as a mother. How many of you can relate to what I'm talking about? Well, in many ways, my mom, my mother, is, is being Christ-like in her tradition. For as we'll see in our, in our text, Jesus loves to give away food. Now, it was just last week that we saw Jesus and his disciples in the region of Phoenicia. And they had, they had traveled there in order to get away from, from the conflict that had been brewing. You see, Pharisees and, and teachers of the law, they, they had traveled from Jerusalem to Galilee in order to challenge Jesus' ministry. 
But as we have seen before in Matthew's Gospel, Christ was not willing to take the fight to them, at least not yet. His time had not yet come, and so instead he, he journeyed to the region of Phoenicia, the region of Tyre and Sidon. And it was there that he encountered a Canaanite woman. A woman who was seeking rescue for her daughter, who had been tormented by a demon. But it was in this interaction that, that, that we saw our Savior acting in a most peculiar way. Do you remember? At first, he just ignored the woman. Then he, he said, I, I was only sent to the lost sheep of Israel. And finally, he, he said that it's not right to take the children's bread and, and to toss it to their dogs. But in spite of Christ's rejection, this woman showed great patience along with humility and faith. Faith in Jesus. She said that even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. And it was then that Jesus commended this woman for her great faith. And he granted her request and, and freed her daughter from that demon. Now, it was through those religious leaders from Jerusalem and this Canaanite woman that we saw this huge contrast between those who, who thought they were in the kingdom and those who truly were. On the one hand, you had men who on the outside appeared to be emblematic of, what, of who true Israel should be. And yet inwardly, they were full of pride and sin. And then you had this woman whose, whose lineage was that of a cursed people. She was a Canaanite. She had nothing going for her that the, that the world would take notice. And yet on the inside, she had this humble faith, that which is necessary of a true Israelite. Unless any, anyone think that, that, that crumbs is all that Christ will give out to the Gentile people, today we, we come to this story where the feeding of the 4,000 tells us otherwise. You see, the supply of, of Jesus' bread is limitless. Just as uh, Bella and Jeff were tossing out the bread, you know, um, Jesus... He has, a, he has an endless supply. And He is more than willing to, to invite any who will come to dine at His banquet table. So let's, let's dive into our passage and see how this plays out. Look, look again at verses 29 through 31. Jesus left there and went along the Sea of Galilee. Then He went up on a mountainside and sat down. Great crowds came to Him, bringing the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others, and, and laid them at His feet, and He healed them. The people were amazed when they saw the mute speaking, the crippled made well, the lame walking, and the blind seeing, and they praised the God of Israel. Leaving the region of Phoenicia, we see that Jesus and his disciples went along the Sea of Galilee. But where exactly he lands, Matthew doesn't say. Yet there are, there are clues within the text that, that, that let us know that this is the Gentile region of the Decapolis. And we see our first clue in verse 31. For instance, when, after Jesus had healed the masses, it says that they praised the God of Israel. 
Now this would be strange language if these were Jewish people. For Matthew would have just written that they praised God. But instead, he, 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 he made sure that his wording was the God of Israel. That is the, the, the verbiage of, of outsiders looking in. Uh, another such clue comes to us in verse 37 in, in the Greek word that is used for, for baskets. The, the, the word is spiritas. And this is a, a different word that we find in Matthew 14 when, when, when we read the, the feeding of the 5,000, which, which is kofinos. You see, spiritus was, what it was, was a, it's a tightly wound basket that was frequently used among the Gentiles. But a, but a kofinos, that, that was a larger wicker type basket that was common among the Jews. And our last clue, it might not be the last clue, but the last clue I found was that, that it also comes to us from verse 37, is with the number of baskets that the disciples pick up afterwards. If you recall, with the feeding of the 5,000, they, they had retrieved 12 baskets, uh, indicative of the, of the 12 tribes of Israel. But now here, they fill up seven baskets, a number that, that, that represents the completeness of God's creation. And this may be an indication of the, the sweeping nature of the kingdom of heaven. And such clues as these, they are verified for us by Mark's account. Look, look at Mark chapter 7, verse 31. Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon down to the Sea of Galilee and into the region of the Decapolis. And so from Mark's gospel, we know that where he left after he was in Phoenicia was down to the Decapolis. Now, the, the, the Decapolis was this large district that was southeast of the Sea of Galilee. And it was called the Decapolis because, because it had ten major cities that dotted the land. This was Gentile territory filled with a people that, that had embraced Greco-Roman culture. They, they were not a people that were looking for a Messiah, even though they too were under the thumb of Rome. But even with this being the case, these people were a hurting people. For we see that great crowds came to Jesus, bringing the lame, the blind, the crippled, and the mute, and many others. And just like that Canaanite woman, they were looking for some kind of mercy, for someone who could help them in their hopeless causes. And what they found in Jesus was that person who could help them out. It says that he healed every single one of them, everyone that was brought to him. The fulfillment of the messianic prophecies that we read in Isaiah were now being experienced among the Gentiles. Isaiah 35, verse 5 says this, then will the eyes of the blind be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer, and the mute tongue shout for joy. God's kingdom was expanding, and these Gentiles, they, they were invited to the party. And what was the response of these Gentile people? Our text says that they were amazed at what Jesus could do. 
He had this authority that, that astounded them so much that, that they praised the God of Israel. You see, neither, neither the gods of their ancestors nor, the, nor the, the gods that were introduced to them by the Greeks and the Romans, none of those gods ever had the ability to help them in their time of need. These false idols that they had been worshiping were nothing but wood and stone. But this Jesus is God in human flesh. And his power is limitless. Making a, a lame man walk is not beyond him. Freeing, freeing a man who is mute and allowing him to speak is but a little matter for our Lord. For the mercy that he grants is an endless supply. And this is why the people began to praise the God of Israel. Because for the first time, they understood what true power really was. This God of the Jews who had become a man was now expanding his kingdom into Gentile territory. Let's see what happens next. Look at verse 32. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry or they may collapse on the way. Once again, we see the compassion of our Lord. He, he had been healing their sick for three days now. But he wanted to do more for them. Now, the question we, we must ask is, why was he there for three days? As far as we know, he had never spent that much time in one spot in Galilee. But with the Decapolis being such a large region, what was probably going on was that, that some of these people uh, had, to, had to travel up to 40 miles in order to see Jesus. This meant that since the time that Christ had arrived on, on that shore, in that region, word was sent out across the Decapolis to bring all the sick and those in need of healing. And the journey for some uh, would have taken a day or, or maybe even more than a day. So Jesus, what he did, he, is he waited patiently with these people for three days, allowing time for everyone to arrive. And now that those three days were up, now that he was finished with his, his healing work, these people had long journeys ahead of them as they would head home. And Christ did not want them to, to, to go away unless they were well fed. Jesus, he's, he's like that concerned mom who doesn't want her children to leave her home without ample supplies. That, that tradition that my mom follows, it, it was probably ingrained in her from her mom. And her mom probably got it from her mom's mom. Old traditions die hard, do they not? Living in 2020, it's hard for us to fathom a time when travel was, was not all that secure. Before there were automobiles and fast food chains, people, people might have had to travel for days before they could find any food. And so to say farewell to a departing guest without taking care of their needs, that was to be a rude host. 
And this is what Jesus was concerned with. That long journey that, that some of these people had that they would have to make as they made their way home. He did not want to let them go on empty stomachs lest they collapse along the way. Of course, his disciples, though they had been in this situation before, they asked Jesus a simple question. Look at, look at verse 33. Disciples answered, Where could we get enough bread in this remote place to feed such a crowd? Are they that dull? Don't they remember the feeding of the 5,000? Of course they do. Not that much time had passed. Though I could be wrong, I, I don't believe that their question is based out of ignorance or out of a lack of faith. Rather, I think these disciples were being cautious. They, they were waiting upon Jesus to see what he would do this time. They didn't want to presume anything. And though they knew of Jesus' power, that he, he had multiplied the bread and fish before, they were waiting upon him to act. Let's, let's see how Jesus responds. Look at verse 34. How many loaves do you have, Jesus asked. Seven, they replied, and a few small fish. Just as with the 5,000, Jesus works with what little means these disciples have, which was seven loaves and a few small fish. Certainly not enough to feed 4,000 men plus women and children. But Jesus is limitless. Look, look at verse 35. He, he told the crowd to sit down on the ground. Then he took the seven loaves and the fish. And when he had given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples. And they in turn to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. They all ate and were satisfied. This is the same wording that, we, that was used in the feeding of the 5,000. Just as the Jews were welcomed to the table, so too were these Gentiles. And it's not just crumbs. No. What, what, what was given to them was a, a full meal. The, the, the banquet table of our Lord. You see, Jesus, he doesn't do anything halfway. If he is going to feed you, he makes sure that you are well fed. For he has the limitless resources to do so. And our kind king doesn't withhold. These, these two meals, the, the, the feeding of the 5,000 and the feeding of the 4,000, what they do for us is they, they paint a picture of what it will be like at the return of our Lord. This is what we read about in, in, in Revelation 7 earlier. It, it talked about the, the, the 12 tribes of Israel, right? And then suddenly it jumps to verse 9 and it says this. After this, I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits upon the throne and to the Lamb. 
this great multitude, it tears down any preconceived notions we might have of, of who can partake in this kingdom feast. Dear friends, salvation belongs to God and not to anyone else. There is no one ethnicity, no one people group that can make the claim that, that, that salvation is their sole possession. It belongs to the Lord. And He can dole it out to whomever He wishes. And He does so because His salvation is limitless. When, when, when Christ died on the cross, he, he took upon Himself the sins of the whole world. 1 John 2 verse 1 says this, My dear children, I, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Listen, Christ is able to give so much because he gave so much. Just as his bread is limitless, so too is his atonement. Any who come to him, who, who find themselves to be empty because of their sins, they can fill up on the righteousness of Christ. There is nothing about you that will make him turn you away. It doesn't matter if you're male or female, dark-skinned or light-skinned. It doesn't matter what language you speak or how rich you are. It doesn't matter if you have a doctorate from a prestigious university or if, or if you can't even read. It doesn't matter how old you are, if you're 8 or 88. None of those things matter to him. And there's nothing that you have done, no, no sin that you have committed that, that wasn't paid for at the cross. From, from a fibbing child to a murderous dictator, there is no sinner that cannot be rescued by the blood of Jesus. Christ is limitless. And his limitless forgiveness applies to each and every one of you. Turn from your sins. Trust in the Savior. The, the, the words that we sang in that hymn today, let me open it up. He giveth more grace, right? It says, when we, exhaust, when we have exhausted our store of endurance, when our strength has failed ere the day is half done, when we reach the end of our hoarded resources, our Father's full giving is only begun. His love has no limit. His grace has no measure. His power has no boundary known unto men. For out of his infinite riches in Jesus, he giveth and giveth and giveth again. How true are those words? Our Lord is limitless. Any who repents of their sins and trusts in Jesus, they will find a place at that banquet table. Run to this limited, limitless king and you will find the satisfaction that you are looking for. Let us pray. Father, we are so thankful for your son. 
He extends to us His mercy, even though we don't deserve it. When we are weak and, and weary, he, 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 he gives us strength by imparting to us the bread of life. We ask now for your Holy Spirit to move amongst us, that in our times of need, we would run to Christ first, for his, his resources are limitless, and only He can satisfy. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.